0: Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray. And join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests,
1: stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the up. Tier one is probably your top 50 to 100 accounts. These are super high touch, bespoke, really creative outreach. Uh, You're probably taking the CXOs of those companies out to dinner, you're uh, meeting them at events, you're sending them gifts and packages and things like that, right? And then your middle tier is gonna get a lot more scale. There might be a few thousand accounts. And then the last one, tier three is probably way more scale Uh, these are these are accounts that are not in a sales cycle at all you're just trying to remain relevant you're probably investing a little bit more in brand and some higher funnel stuff to try to make yourself relevant to them audio it's what you are listening to right now and you're not alone your audience is too
0: that's why marketers are upping their investment in audio but how odyssey's latest state of audio walks us through planning tips and creative how-tos. Visit stateofaudio.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials podcast. Today, I have Steve from Google on the podcast. Steve, what's up? Welcome. Hey, Hey, thanks, Daniel. I'm psyched to be here. Good to connect with you. I want to first get into
1: how you got into marketing, and then we'll talk about some B2B stuff. I actually started my career in sales. I was a, a BDR, SDR-type function working for a, a travel agency that was selling software. And so this was my first adventure into software sales, and I was making you know, a few hundred phone calls a day. I was trying to connect with CFOs and to talk to them about their travel and expense costs. And it was a humbling role, just getting hung up on all day long and nobody answering your emails. And so I really connected with with the sales side of, of the business, but my passion really lied in marketing. I remember I had my first business class I took in high school was marketing. I went to college with a, a bachelor's in marketing. And so I wanted to get into marketing and couldn't. So I took the sales job and ultimately kind of paved my own way into marketing. I was doing email automation. I was doing my own version of A-B testing and personalization as an SDR and really got excited about that stuff and started to do more of it and found success there as a seller. But then ultimately on the side, I was working with my brother to build a a, a website, basically like a news blog type of thing uh, to practice our marketing skills. So that's where I honed in on social media marketing and advertising display ads, paid search, uh, affiliate marketing, that kind of stuff. And, uh, basically what I did was I took that sort of made up experience and put it on my resume and started applying for real marketing jobs. Yeah. Well, I love the story. I think
0: everybody has a different, I remember going into marketing at, at first and I was like trying to find a marketing job. And the first job i Applied for was like marketing development rep, and I thought I was a marketing role. And I went, (laughs) and going to make like, "Ah, I want to do this job. And then I finally got like a random like marketing automation consultant role for like a Salesforce partner. But it was just like, I remember how hard it was getting a marketing job out of college. I think a lot of marketers feel that.
1: You know what I've noticed too is as I've gone and worked in bigger companies, it's easy for people to think they know how to do marketing, right? You get into some large enterprises and everybody thinks they know how to do marketing and everyone has an opinion on marketing. And so I think some of that translates into how difficult it is to, to get started in marketing. There's a lot of competition. And I think sometimes that function is undervalued as far as skills. And so as a marketer or an aspiring marketer you've got to get creative and figure out how you're going to break in and i love that you you broke in through kind of the operations angle you know now i think that's a huge skill set any technical marketer i think is set up much better than than a non-technical marketer these days
0: i want to also go into the future of b2b so we're coming up on 2024 soon but also like B2B is changing a lot. So, what are some things that are you seeing B2B move to in the next few
1: years? There's probably three broad areas we can we can dive into. The first being personalization, the second being data driven. And that's that's going to include stuff like Gen AI and we can get into that. And then the third being, I think more experiential buying journeys or buying experiences. And so you know, you know, across those three things, they're they're somewhat related. You know, I, I do think that the future of B2B marketing in general, I would say is more human. It's a little more B2C. It's a little more connective. But, you know, that's those three things are what I'm really thinking of going into the next few years is how can we make our marketing more personalized? And that's that's a combo of actually personalizing to the buyer, but also making it more relevant. So at what point are you connecting with that person or trying to connect? And then the second is How are we investing in data? We need data infrastructure. We need analytics. We need the proper architecture to be able to personalize, to take advantage of things like Gen AI. And then the third would be, how can we humanize a bit more? I think that there's been a shift away from sort of direct attribution performance marketing now back towards brand. And B2B companies are figuring out how can we better differentiate through our brand and connect with folks that aren't in a buying cycle right now. And so, yeah, those, those three areas is what I'd say, and we can, uh, we can dive into each of them. I want to dive into each of them, and I also want to go into how can we
0: personalize, be human, and use AI at the same time? Because I yeah. think those are like three things that are, I think like AI and human, like some people are using it wrong where it's not uh, coming up not human. So uh, I think there's a conversation. To be had. But let's go deeper into how to think of your strategy on personalization first and then we can get into like the AI data stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, when I think of personalization, uh, especially for B2B, a few things are top of mind for me. And so I, I like to think of things in, in structures. I also think in things of terms of threes. <laughs> I'm a fan of the, the concept of the power of three. But as far as personalization goes for B2B, it really starts with accounts and then it starts with personas and then it goes to segments. So accounts, most folks have probably heard of account-based marketing. It was coined maybe 15 years ago. And it was the idea that marketing and sales and and ultimately all of the go-to-market function is going to market and put messaging towards specific accounts, right? We're going to be a little bit more hands-on in how we market and sell versus just blasting media out there and, and seeing what we catch. So if you think about that, so we've got accounts, personas, and segments. The accounts are materialized into an actual target account list. And this list is something that you'd build with sales. Most sales companies will have, you know, they'll call it an account universe or a target account list. And it is the accounts that they feel that they can sell into. And there's, there should be some criteria around that. And what I think is, is shifting now is marketing, having a role in that process. So for me, in some of the experience I've had, you know, our sales team has a list. Uh, They share that list with us and, and it's a very large list. It's not feasible to market towards that whole list. And so what we then do is use intent data from some marketing providers, we do some of our own data science on that list to try to clean it up and get to ultimately a a prioritization or some sort of tiering of that list that would allow us to customize the marketing to those accounts. And for example, let's say you've got a tier one account, tier two, tier three, tier one is probably your top 50 to 100 accounts. These are super high touch, bespoke, really creative outreach, uh, you're probably taking the CXOs of those companies out to dinner. You're uh, meeting them at events. You're sending them gifts and packages and things like that, right? And then your middle tier is going to get a lot more scale. There might be a few thousand accounts in that list. And that's where I think things like Gen AI can actually help when we get there. But also this is your, your typical lead acquisition, qualification, nurturing, life cycle marketing to try to move those accounts towards a buying motion. Uh, You're measuring all of that and scoring all of that, right? And then the last one, tier three, is probably way more scale. Uh, These are are accounts that are not in a sales cycle at all. You're just trying to remain relevant. You're probably investing a little bit more in brand and some higher funnel stuff to try to make yourself relevant to them. One mistake I think a lot of people make when it comes
0: to the ABM motion or account. I think they forget what we talked. To, what you kind of said at the beginning, how B two B is shifting into like a B two C motion. So I think what they forget about is a hey, these are still humans working at companies that go to like Pilates or they go to. They have lives outside of this account that you're trying to go after. So. I know you're going down to Persona, so you're probably going to touch it, but I'm just interested in, I know a lot of people in B2B get caught up and they like, okay, I'm just going to go over our account and they forget that there's humans that are doing human things at that account and they're not just the
1: CFO and the company. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, and I think the trap is marketers will say we're doing ABM and they're probably actually doing something in that tier two or tier three where they have an account list, they're doing some lead generation against that account list, maybe some display ads or something. But but the reality is, is all of those contacts are just flowing into some basic marketing automation platform. And so to what you said around like personalization, and this is where I think some of the the trends and the shifts are happening is at that persona level. And I think you can get the most personalization at the like one-to-one level. So this is like your tier one, right? where you have either a team or you have some people that are dedicated towards delivering a custom experience to the individuals at those accounts. And so to your point, I was just actually, uh, I was at a marketer meetup a few weeks ago. I was talking to somebody who their sole responsibility is one-to-one ABM and they do stuff like custom creative designed for a buyer. So they will actually, let's say you are a, you know, your your technology platform or some sort of software and you're selling to into IT and the CIO is is your buyer at one of these accounts. This person was responsible for doing actual research on that person. And they would try to find things out like what what is their favorite color? What are they into outside of work? What kind of music do they like? What are their hobbies? Are you know are they into sports? Are they into science and theater and art and and that sort of thing, and they're doing that manually by researching this person online, right? And and hopefully listening to talks that they might give or uh, listening to interviews that they might be in. And then what they would do is build a campaign around this person. So, for example, let's say this person was was really into music. They loved classic rock, and you know you can tell that they're they're passionate. They're like a little grunge, maybe a little bit like hipster, right? This is this is your persona. Instead of just, you know, hammering them with some some boring tech spec type content, they would build a, a campaign called, you know, IT Rockstars or something. And all of the creative was kind of punk rock. It, it had an anchor in kind of the the rock era. And then that campaign creative was delivered to this person across different channels. And then they would send them an actual direct mail sort of gift, you know, relative to this campaign idea And then, you know, the whole outreach and the whole motion, all the messaging weaved in this personal hobby about this person that they're super into music. And, you know, at the end of the day, it got them meetings. Like that was the goal. How do we get meetings with these people that are super busy, really hard to get in front of? And I think that level of personalization is really hard to scale. So, you know, part of the trend is I think marketers have pushed really hard to try to scale ABM when actually we need to pull back and we need to think about that type of one-to-one human experience. And I think that's exciting. That's really cool, right? I mean, to be able to work on stuff like that is pretty interesting and uh, much more hands-on than you know some of the scaled type of marketing we see today. If you don't attach accounts to
0: personas, I think what happens is that you forget that there's many people in a company that can help make a decision. And if you just go persona-based marketing, you forget that like, if you just target like, the, like let's say you're selling a marketing product and you target like six people on the marketing team and you're just not only targeting the CMO or someone like that, there's people that can influence that buying decision in the company. And People forget a lot of marketers is they, they target this one person, they can't get a hold of them. And they forget that there's like five, 10 other people at the company that could help make that buying decision and they stop marketing, which is crazy to me when I see that. So it's good to have accounts and
1: personas
0: attached to it.
1: Yeah, and, I, and one thing you said that I think has become also a, a relevant shift now is th- there's a lot of chatter about MQLs being dead, right? M- MQLs are are just, it's made up. It's, it's a marketing term that we've scored and we've in marketing determined that this person should be reached out to by sales. But to your point, what if you've got nine people in the buying group at an account and you're just sending one-off people to sales, they're not actually seeing the full picture of what's happening in that account. So one of the areas I'm looking forward to is actually mapping out who is the buying group, Who's, who are the individuals Like, what are the job functions within that buying group to, to be able to make decisions on whatever product you're selling and do that research and work up front to document and map that out and then go take inventory across your operation to see how many of those individuals across all of our accounts do we have today? How many of them are engaged? How many are opted in? How many have we talked to? And then ultimately you're figuring out what is the gap. So. Who do we need to acquire? Who do we need to engage more? You know, who maybe we talked to and wasn't interested? How do we get them back interested? And your ABM approach now is way more precise. It's way more relative and way more personalized because you're reaching out to them based on some historical context versus, you know, just kind of the spray and pray methodology of, you know, we're going to we're gonna send emails and advertising out to thousands of people and we'll see what comes in after that. Cool.
0: Well, so... For personalization, it starts with accounts. I'm just recapping. Then goes to personas. What's the the next step after after that?
1: Yeah, the third is segments, and so this is one that I've I've done over the last year. And this is uh, essentially like a slice of the other two of the accounts and the personas. So a segment might be a true segment, right? It could be based on the size of a company. It could be based on a variety of signals that you're tracking. Maybe you've got a criteria where any company that's between 50 and 100 million ARR and has you know a number of job descriptions out on the open market and you know they just raise funding or something, right? All of those triggers and those signals could make up a segment. And then what you're doing is building the marketing off of that segment. And so you could do this a few different ways. Like the segmentation could allow for really hyper personalization, or it could also allow for some broad personalization where you might have a, you know, maybe a starter email or, or some sort of, you know, door opener type activity that you're trying to do. And you're using those signals to try to try to open up the door within those accounts you know, based on the information that you're gathering. So I see segmentation as almost a way to stretch across the accounts and the personas and the buying groups and, you know, some of these other factors and then deliver campaigns and marketing that way. It's also cool
0: because, uh, I mean, we're also getting into a, a phase of marketing where the data warehouse is becoming like more of a centralized place than the marketing automation. Even the CRM, like you need a place to store all these points. And I know you're going to go talk to data, but it's next steps data, but you need places where you can store segments, store information that you might need later, like punk rock likes punk rock, likes this. This is my punk rock marketing audience. Here's my whatever. But like you need those places. All those data points don't belong in a a marketing automation system in the CRM. So if you have a data warehouse, you can trigger it out of the data warehouse to make more
1: cool marketing and personalization. This is the part of marketing that I've thoroughly enjoyed learning more about over the last two years, just how powerful that core infrastructure is. So whether it's a data warehouse or a data lake, it's ultimately the the central brain, right? Where are you bringing in all of your data pipelines, all of those signals, and some of the stuff you mentioned? It has to go somewhere, and then it has to be QA'd. It needs to be cleaned up, and it needs to be standardized with whatever makes sense for your business, right? And so, doing that in marketing, you know, I kind of feel like in the past it, it's always another team, and I'm I'm more of a proponent of having that data resource or that that team whatever it is being deep in marketing because so that they can understand the technical side of building proper data infrastructure but then start to understand the business side as well and get familiar with how do you run campaigns and what is display ads and what are the kpis why are these kpis interesting and that I think is a fun process kind of leveling up your data analyst team uh, but yeah it does it does all start with some sort of storage right and where are you managing all that marketing data?
0: Audio, it's what you're listening to right now, and you're not alone. Your audience is too. That's why marketers are upping their investments in audio and seeing 1.5 times return on ad spend. But what should that investment look like? Odyssey, a leading audio entertainment company, has the answer in their latest state of audio. A practical playbook covering planning tips Creative how to's and innovative trends. Visit stateofaudio.com to learn more. It's hard to work with a data team if, like, nobody in the data team understands marketing because you're going to have to give them a detailed brief. And even if you give them the detailed brief of what you want, doesn't mean that they're going to like spot like little things that they could change. So if you get someone who has some marketing and to work with a marketing team it helps that you say hey i want to see x y and z be creative and like do something with this data that can make it better for me where the opposite is like i've had the problem where i was like hey this is what i need and then i get the data and i'm like actually we need to rebuild the whole thing and it took told them like i felt bad because just didn't come out how I think, but it's also because there's a disconnect about like, they didn't understand marketing and like, I didn't deeply understand how like the back end of data works to this extent that they did. So it was just like this disconnect between both of us, but having someone on your team that's resourced to marketing is key.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then I, that's happened to me too many times where you're in that conversation with an analyst and they say, what do you want? And you give them the outcome and you're you're sort of clueless about how you get to the outcome you know what you want but you don't quite understand all of the nuances of the infrastructure and the way that the data has been pulled together and then so you you get the outcome but maybe there's a caveat there or it's not quite what you expected and then you cycle back and forth right and i think that's the biggest pain point for marketers is they want data sometimes i think that marketers don't know how to ask for data and so, you just you spin, right? You spin with these teams, and but if you have that team in inside the, the kind of the walls of marketing, and you've invited them to campaign meetings and hopefully status updates and things like that, they start to get the context behind why you're asking for what you're asking for. And some of the best analysts I've worked with, they understand the business side and the technical side, and you can deliver. You can say, "Hey, I'm looking for," and I'm looking to understand. Which accounts in the last ninety days engaged with you know more than five pieces of marketing and you know you think are are prime to convert into stage zero or something right whatever whatever your criteria is you're just giving them that outcome of what you want and then they'll say yeah yeah okay I can I can go figure that out let me go do some work and maybe they iterate with you a bit and it's it's learning on both sides and it's fun. I'm just gonna recap. I mean, for the
0: first for the f- personalization. Starts with accounts, moves to, you have to think account first, then think of what personas are in the accounts. And then after accounts, go a little deeper, create segments for those accounts and personas together. The next step we were talking about a little bit is data, but that includes generator AI and the hot takes. So I want to get a hot take of the
1: gen AI and how, how does it match with like personalization So this is perfect because without anything that we just talked about, right, the, the proper data infrastructure, the pipelines, clean data, all of that stuff, the real power of generative AI is broad. It's not personal. It's general. And anybody who's played around with chat GPT or Bard or, you know, any of these open source AIs, you type in something generic, you're going to get something generic back. And so I think the real power of gen AI is in this future state of running essentially an llm on your own data so you if you've got a data warehouse or a data lake and you've been through this process you're probably ingesting all sorts of customer data all sorts of prospect data all kinds of engagement data right across all your advertising channels across email across events and webinars you've you've culminated a massive universe of signals and then now you start to explore okay what other signals do we need that would supplement and allow us to be more intelligent in our marketing you can go out and get those from intent providers or just you know raw data providers and you're bringing all of that into this ecosystem and now you're running a generative ai model on top of that and so what i am excited about is you know most folks that go into a gpt or bard today They're trying to figure out how to write prompts, right? And that's really been the key is is how good your prompt is. And so within an enterprise context, if marketers are prompting on all of that data, the output is, I mean, it's limitless. It's it's super fascinating to think about what you could do with that. And then you can start to invest in teaching marketers how to prompt better, right? And how to automate things and how to set up workflows so that the kind of non-labor cost of doing marketing gets way more efficient. And so I've been personally exploring some ideas around Gen AI with with ABM in particular. And so imagine, like we talked about building an account list at the beginning, right? You're working with sales. It's typically a spreadsheet. Then you're taking that spreadsheet. You've got a data analyst manually doing some scrubbing and some appending of data and work, and they ultimately produce another spreadsheet. That spreadsheet goes to your lead gen providers, it goes into your advertising campaigns, it goes into your automation platform. Almost all of that could be simplified by AI. And if you had all of your CRM and prospect and third party data in a system where you could say, you know, I need an account list that includes these industries, companies of this size that are not customers right now. You know, they they look like this type of company, et cetera, et cetera. You could even go further and say, you know, I want companies that have engaged with our marketing in the last 30 days or only accounts that have people that have picked up the phone in the last 90 days. I mean, you could go nuts with this, right? And then the result is your account list and it, it's done. It's clean, it's scrubbed, and it's ready to go. And, you know, eventually I think there'll be workflows where you can do that. And then that list is just going to flow right into whatever channels you use to activate it. So, yeah, I think the future is basically like bring your own LLM kind of thing. And, you know, like ChatGPT just announced the other day or yesterday uh, the idea of GPTs, right? And they're building an app store around this. And people are now able to build their own GPTs on what they want and they can sell them. There's going to be a marketplace around this. And so that, that stuff's really cool. And it's going to push this idea forward of how do we how do we use this technology I think for better versus just you know blasting a bunch of generic stuff out there through marketing. For people who don't know,
0: LLM is like a learning language models to like help you create your own machine learning in inside your inside of your marketing. Where like right now, there's there there ChatGPT and stuff is doing their own stuff on their side, so if you can and Bard and stuff like that so if you can have a model talking to your models it's way better than having a separate model that doesn't have your data and have, and you're not training it with your data so i think that's cool i want to go into the next part is so we had the personalization which was account personas segmentation we talked a little bit about we talked about data i think the last part was like now we're like more into experiential marketing. So what is like, how do we package all those together? And I'd make a great experience with the customers.
1: The last one, like experiential to me, I think of, there's a stat floating around. Uh, it's been around for a while and the, the LinkedIn B2B Marketing Institute just published some stuff on this about how at any given time, only 5% of your your addressable market is is in market to buy something. And that means 95% are not. And so that alone, I think, is pushing towards we need as marketers to invest in more upper funnel. We need to invest more in brand to prime that audience and actually be thinking about future revenues versus just revenue we can get today through performance, direct conversion type marketing. So knowing that, you know, bringing all of this stuff together, how do you deploy a strategy that is personalized through accounts, personas, and segments. How do you do that across the funnel? So if you are going to invest in brand awareness, how do you do that across your accounts? Right. You need to make sure that your media and your messaging is is reaching those accounts. You're trying to reduce waste there. How are you doing that, you know, from a mid-funnel? How do you are you warming folks up and engaging them? I think this is where more investment in lifecycle marketing and the personalization of those life cycle programs comes into play. And then all of that plugs into your conversion activities. And so I think, you know, through all of that, what I would love to see is just more storytelling, a bit more creativity, you know, brands, just having B2B in particular, having a personality. It's gotten so boring. You know, if, if you're, you're in marketing, right? And, and how many ads do you see that are selling you marketing software? And it just all says the same stuff, right? It's oh, you know, we do attribution the best, or we have the best intent data, or um, you know, I get hit up all the time with, we have a database of fifty million people, we'll we'll sell you the best leads on the planet, and it's like, dude, every single one of your competitors says the same exact thing. Why are you any different? Why should I care? And so that, like, I would love to see some more creativity there, you know, in particular, just different content, different. Mediums more, more in storytelling. I'm a huge fan of brands that can storytell well, whether it's the stories of their customers or like stories of partners or just like, like you said, the, the humans in the mix, right? It's, it's people buying products and, and software and stuff like that. So let's highlight that. Let's, let's focus on the people side of it. Yeah. I think what happened is we got so
0: like with the rise of, beta and targeting and all this stuff. We got so people got so good at learning how to target people and it was easy because if you were just great at targeting, you would win. Now everybody has figured out targeting. A lot of people know how to do data pretty well now. The one thing that will separate everybody at this point in time is which we we talked about this off the podcast is but It's going back to what marketers did a 100 years ago when they didn't have the best data, they didn't have the best stuff. It's just standing out and being more creative, writing great copy, telling great stories. That's what won in the past. And I think a lot of marketers forgot about that because we got overly technical and forgot about marketing is also art and creativity.
1: and, And that's what makes us human at the same time. The brands and the companies that can tap into that, kind of tap into all of it, right? You can tap into the human element and stand out and be creative and and differentiate through your brand. And you're also really smart with data and you've figured out how to use technology to make that message as good as it can be, or even just how to understand your buyer better, right? Use the technology to understand who you're actually selling to. And then you've got the, the creativity, which is the stuff that humans are good at right uh you're using that creativity to speak to somebody that you've done a bunch of research on and you know feel pretty confident in talking to
0: creativity is not only i would say like sort done i like i think you could also like just not fall into the trap of best practices and even with like what you're talking about like training your models with your own language like LLM, like i think It helps. That's a sign of like creativity that you could do some fun things with that you that will help your marketing team become better marketers and tell better stories. So I think it's not only like coming up with the most creativity could be creative in different ways in marketing. It's not only like telling a great story, but it could be like doing creative things with your marketing team to make it more efficient.
1: That's true. Do things different. Yeah, I mean, how, like, how are you solving the problems that you have as a marketing team? Are you just figuring out what the best practice is, like you said, and just doing what everyone else does, or, or are you doing something creative to try to solve those problems? I think is really cool. You said something that I, I thought was a a cool note was we were talking about the hobbies and stuff, and like, how do you personalize? You know, imagine in your data warehouse you've got a field now for hobbies, and you're you know you're collecting that hobby information against the buying group and you're starting to analyze that and look at, it, it's like, Oh, you know, this person over here is super into music and you know, this one's into art and this one's into fitness and whatever. And that's just interesting. There's a psychological effect of that, that, that hopefully inspires some creativity within marketing.
0: Also like, if you want to do experiential, like if you want to do like experiential marketing, like let's say one third of my database is like into formula one, like, and you know, I'm, I, 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 and buy you can go and create budget and create an experience around or one for your buyers that are in your top account you know like they into that and now you can like start creating experiences that are like unique to like what your buyers actually care about and then also invite the buyers that care about that experience so i think you can start doing like cool things when you understand that with your experiential marketing
1: yeah no totally imagine that and then you go you know, and you, uh, you go to formula one and you, you host an after party or something, a happy hour, and you invite those people there. I mean, they would be thrilled. And that's, that's real experiential to me, I think. And, you know, I think of the opposite of that, where let's say a stereotypical B2B experience is a company sponsors a sporting event, or let's say, uh, like a golf tournament, they invite a bunch of customers out and hey, we're gonna do this, this, and that. Did they ever ask if that person's even into sports? I mean, that like that could be a terrible experience for one of those people who who could give who doesn't care at all about sports. And and that's that's just like following the best practice and the stereotypical experience marketing. And we've got to push to make that different. I totally agree. I wanna ask you one more question and then we could wrap it up. But like, what is a marketing kill you would die? I'm going to go with something related to marketing and sales alignment. This has been a hot topic for me. It's been a differentiator because when when I have aligned with sales, we've really seen things open up. And so what I would die on is the readiness of the leads that I'm sending to sales. There's a stigma that most companies face, which is sales says the leads are crap and marketing says they're good. And for a long time, I was saying they were good and I didn't really have any evidence. I was just sort of going off my gut. But now going through the process of gathering that evidence and literally spot checking hundreds and hundreds of MQLs manually to say that these are the right person, the right account, they consume the right material. Somebody needs to get in touch with this person. I've sort of unlocked a new level of confidence in that KPI that I'm sending to sales. And so, I, you know, for others that are dealing with that or you're in a bit of a power struggle with sales, I would say go and get the evidence, go and get the data, build your case, get your story as to why you believe these individuals, these accounts are right, and then present that in a way that you know, you're know, you ready to die on it. And I would say I kind of have. That, that's been a bit of my, my shtick lately is my, I stand by the leads we're sending. You know? I love that. The last thing is where can people find you, what you're doing, all that? I'm on LinkedIn mostly, not really any of the other platforms. I've been contributing a lot to the B2B community on LinkedIn and having a good time doing that. And I actually, I love connecting with other people, having coffee chats and learning about what they do. So if you're on LinkedIn, you know, shoot me a connect and, and we'll chat there. Well, thank you so much for joining.
0: I think this has been a great chat about what we think is the near future of b2b marketing and how b2b marketing is changing or i think the better i think we had different stages but now we're we're going into what marketing these humans being more creative doing more creative things
1: which is cool to see absolutely yeah thanks for having me daniel it's great chatting with you thanks so much for listening tune in next week to
0: hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.